Pegasus Podcast, presented by Night Sports Now. UCF news, views, and a few hot takes. Now, here are your hosts, Bailey Go Knights Adams and Christian Charge-On Simmons. Welcome into episode 151. Be sure you're following us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22, at ByCA Simmons, and at Night Sports Now. Uh, keep leaving us those five-star reviews. They're, they're coming in. Keep keep asking us some questions. We've got some to read uh, each and every week, and that's how we'll start out the podcast. Today, we will be talking realignment. Uh, Colorado is now in the Big 12. Well, not now, but they have been admitted to the Big 12. We'll be back in the Big 12 uh, next year, and some more realignment stuff. And then we'll talk about our preseason awards, looking at offensive MVP, defensive MVP, and then some breakout transfers, breakout freshmen. But first of all, Christian, how are you? I'm doing great. I think it's great that since we last did our podcast that the Big 12 has doubled the number of black and gold teams in the conference. I think that's <laughs> upward trajectory. I also love that Matt Marshall of the Orlando Sentinel, uh, their new UCF beat writer, talked with uh, Mahajer about the move and everything, and he asked Mahajer about the black and gold comment. If you know what we're talking about, that Terry Mahajer back in, when UCF got these new uniforms and it became clear that anthracite, which is the color I'm wearing, and Pewter would no longer be a part of it. The reason Mahajer gave was that we're going to be the only black and gold team in the Big 12, and we have to lean into that. And the next team the Big 12 added was Colorado, who is like not only also black and gold, but like the exact shade of gold that UCF has used for years. <laughs> I know they just changed it, so it's not the same anymore, but like for me, like the whole 2016 to 2021 uniform set was like, I swear it has to be the exact same color. It's so similar. So way to go. Well, Mahajer it's, said, it's Mahajer's that... reply was, I did not know they would do that. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny that they uh, that's the case now and that Michelle asked about it because, like, my initial reaction was like, oh, wow, like, Colorado's in the Big 12. I was like, hey, Terry said that they'd only be the only, back, <laughs> the only black and gold team. Can we bring back Pewter now? I, um, I tweeted at him. I'm like, please, give us back Pewter. I, I just, like, I, like, I love the new set. I think it's all great. I just would also like Pewter. I, I see no reason. Yeah. Like, what do you say? It, it, it would be a good look if they had, like, this set, if they had a Pewter version of what they have now. It's great. This set would look good in pewter, like really good. I I would love to see them do something like that. What about like a pewter uniform, but like kind of on the night mode template with like, like, because, you know, the night mode numbers, they're gold, but they're like that sort of, I don't know what the right word is, maybe like reflective quality, like light really bounces off that gold. What if they did that with like, well, they couldn't do it because, you know, the numbers won't be pewter. I'm kind of making a new jersey in my head now as I think about this. You know what they could do? I'm not going to invent jerseys on the podcast. We're fine. We're fine. We're not going to go down this rabbit hole. I just got an idea, though. I feel... I don't want to hear it though. Okay. Well, no, I, okay. Because I get annoyed when on Twitter, everyone is like, I've come up with my own UCF uniforms because it's always like, that's great. But like, they have some, so they're fine. But I just yeah. had like a vision in my head. Like, you know, you talk about this podcast often, how you get visions. And um, <laughs> I sounds so bad. Out of it context. does sound bad. Like... But that's always how you, like, I've listened to, I've listened back on our podcast and you frame stuff that way. Like, I'll be like, I predict that John Rice Pullman is going to throw for 15 touchdowns. And you'll be like, I've had a vision that John Rice Plum is yeah. going to go throw for 15 touchdowns. It's just, I, um, my vision was a black Jersey with pewter numbers. And then the sleeve design was that chainmail pattern we've seen on the soccer jerseys that like interlocking mm. gray and like that on the sleeves. I don't know. They just popped in my head. That'd look cool. Yeah, it would. There you the go. I've now joined the crowd of people who are just like, I'm inventing a UCF uniform. Cause Ooh. now all I'm picturing is like Oakland Raiders uniforms with like a pattern on the sleeve. <laughs> sure. Yeah, why not? But then and, then, and, and, and carry it all the way through. I, I was thinking like a pewter helmet and pewter pants with this too. So yeah, the Oakland Raiders, but with chainmail is what I've invented. See, <laughs> see, this I is why that. inventing uniforms is fun because you're like, I had an idea and you list it out and someone's like, the Oakland Raiders is what you just described. So 
There we go. Do yeah. we have a question? So I feel like I have to derail the podcast. Question. Okay. Yeah, we always derail the podcast. The question today, uh, would you rather win versus Baylor and lose at Oklahoma or lose versus Baylor and win at Oklahoma? Hmm. I want you to go first you, because you want me to go mm, first. So. I made you go first last week, so I'll go first. Okay. I don't go know. Ahead. Um this is tough. This is actually like a thinker because on the flip side, UCF winning, maybe there there might be people listening who are screaming at us right now, like pick Oklahoma. Are you kidding me? But like I'm just thinking of like when UCF runs out on the field for their first ever home game against a Big 12 team and the place is sold out and it's rocking and the fans are going crazy and UCF's in their awesome uniforms and it's just the hype is unbelievable. And that ending with a loss just feels so crushing to me. When on the flip side, I think as of now, most people, both UCF fan base and nationally, expect UCF to lose to Oklahoma. So if they lost to Oklahoma, what just what was supposed to happen, happened. But on the flip side, beating Oklahoma would be like a win we talk about forever on the road. And it would be, be, give so much cred for the new Big 12 and everything. So I, I actually, I have to think about this a little more. What do you think? Which way are you going? So, yeah, I was going to say kind of along the same lines as you is like, there's a very selfish way for me to answer this question because I don't like seeing losses in person and I will not be at the Oklahoma game and I will be at the Baylor game. So it's like, I don't want to be at the game where they lose in this scenario, but if you're like asking me, like if I could press a button to make this happen right now, I'd probably press the button that says they win at Oklahoma. The only thing that made me kind of waver on that is when you said everyone already expects them to lose to Oklahoma anyway. Yeah. So that's made me kind of pause for a second, but I still feel like, yeah, Oklahoma, I mean, Oklahoma, I looked this up, is 53 and 10 at home in the last 10 years. They don't lose at home That's... a lot. They did last year because they, they were bad last year. I'd love to know who the teams are that make up that 10. I think Kansas State might have beat them at home. At Kansas some State point. and Baylor both beat them last year. Okay. Um, I wish wow. I could tell you all of them. That's a hell of a stat. Um, looked at records. You know, it's funny because I don't, I think I'm just gonna i think i want them to be baylor and lose to oklahoma i think that's so stupid because the more i think about it this is dumb i shouldn't be picking this but you know what i want them to win both games that's what i want but because the other thing I'm thinking <laughs> that's about the question is like, the other thing i'm thinking about is like ucf's coming into the big 12 with this like reputation of the bounce house and like oh it's this crazy environment another fan base like can't wait to see it and the idea of them losing the first ever time a big 12 team comes to the bounce house <laughs> like i hate that i think i'd rather just have them win that game and then we know they're going to lose to oklahoma they just lose to oklahoma that thought, that thought crossed my mind too, but then I was like, okay, yeah, that would be like, they'd get clowned for maybe a week or two, but then like, what is it? Three weeks later, they'd be playing at Oklahoma in front of however many thousand people, a hundred thousand? They have a hundred thousand? I think it's there? 90, might be 80 or 90. 90,000? 80. A lot of people. 80. Yeah. They would go there and beat them and beat Dylan Gabriel and just beat Oklahoma on the road as Oklahoma's leaving. The only time they'll play Oklahoma. I actually hate this and... question is what I'm realizing. I don't like okay. this. I hate it. Well, I don't want to think about that. I don't want to have to think about UCF losing a game because I'm insane. They should just go undefeated. They won't. They, they should try. They should try doing that. They should try doing it. I always laugh because I was at the they had uh, fall camp started today, obviously, and they had the press this morning. And it's always like when you know, it, and it's what you have to say, and it's what you're supposed to say because you believe it. But like when players, it's for, it's for the first time, literally, I can't remember the last time I felt this way about UCF is RJ Harvey goes up there, Jason Johnson, and they're like, "What what are your goals for the season?" They're both like, "Get to Dallas, win the conference championship." And in my head, I was like, "Okay." And it's so funny because I'm like, oh, I've never thought that with UCF before. Because like for years, UCF says we want to win the conference. I'm like, oh, yeah, like that's the goal. And this was the first year I was like, that's probably not attainable for you. Like it was just kind of a weird, <laughs> you know, like what? what? <laughs> you take you take the mic next and you're like, 
that's not attainable for you. But like, do you have yeah, a question? Yeah, what, right what, what, what a horrible thing would that be to do? You ask a player their goals, then you take them out and go, I don't agree. I don't think you can. Actually, that might be the best thing you can do for a player. Like that might light a fire under them. that we're yeah. If all the media just took turns telling you, see if we don't believe in you and pass the mic to the next. Gus would probably well, love that. He'd be in the back. That's why, that's why Georgia wins national championships because no one believes in them. Remember? Got, well, who was the Georgia player after they won the national championships past year who was like, everyone thought we'd be seven and five? I don't remember who, I don't remember which one it was. Not a soul on this earth thought that. I, the I, same thing listen. happened with, with the Chiefs when they won the Super Bowl. They're like, nobody believed in us. There was a little bit more like maybe the Chiefs have fallen off, but still, there wasn't like no one thought that you're seeing that because I, I started that quarterback documentary series on Netflix and I, I was explaining to Bailey we talked before on the podcast I don't watch a ton of NFL like I I you know like I, I don't ignore it it's just not something I like actively keep up with like I do college football and it's the documentary has been really fun for me because I actually don't know who wins any of these games so it's like all dramatic <laughs> like some week two game with the Chiefs I figure who they're playing and I have no idea what's gonna happen and it's awesome but they're even doing that like I obviously know the Chiefs won the Super Bowl and like in the first episode, it's Pat Mahomes, and he's just like, no, it's like everyone thinks the Chiefs are done. You know, everyone's always thought that that this whole team was just Tyreek Hill. And, and I'm like, no one thought that. Like, I'm like, you're considered like one of the greatest players in the history of the sport. I don't think anyone thinks they're going to suck as long as they have you. But listen, it, like, yeah. this is the thing, though, like with athletes, and it's 100% true, is that if you don't feel doubted, it's harder to play to your potential i mean that, that it's like anger and doubt is what feels that like feeling like sitting there and thinking i know i'm the best that's not a motivator you know what i mean yeah no i, I do and that, that quarterback documentary has been fun i've only like i've watched like two episodes i really need to finish it but um i heard that today that apparently joe burrow is going to be on it next year or next season that's right so i'm even more interested now should be good we will uh yeah. you know joe burrow we wish him a speedy recovery um after i said last week that why would i worry about joe burrow getting hurt and then he uh immediately got hurt so i can't believe i mean like i think because it's like a calf strain it's supposed to be like a few weeks whatever, he's like, gonna be fine he's gonna be fine we can laugh about it but like if it would have been worse than that like it would have been an all-time like if it would have been worse bad. what do we really think i cosmically injured no joe burrow? Like, no I... it just it just would have i don't know you can't say it would have been funny it just would have been insane like an insane break for this podcast to be it's like fine. all right <laughs> four days after we have we, we recorded say, this. we say stuff that ages horribly every podcast oh of course it, we do it, but that it would have been white noise honestly have we ever said anything that's aged that well yeah we have actually i think you have me maybe yeah yeah that's that exactly what came to mind. i was like I was like, has anything aged that poorly that quickly? But it was the Navy comment last. last I actually week, so. like I listened back to that podcast over the summer, like maybe a couple months ago, and I'm just such an ass the whole time. Like you're trying to preview the game, and I'm just interrupting. I'm like, just stop. Like, why are we doing this? Like, why are we talking about this game? Like, what's the point? And I, I I don't know what possessed me. I think I just that 2017 arrogance came back real quick when UCF won three games in a row, which is not great, but yeah. It's going to come back again this year. They're going to be Kent State, Boise, and uh, Villanova. And I'm just going to be like, they're going to the playoff. I, I can't see any other yeah. outcome. So it's going to be fun. Yeah, well, speaking of arrogance, Colorado's back in the Big 12. Sure are. Um, this is interesting for a lot of reasons. Obviously, it's kind of funny because there's been this, as you probably know if you're listening to this podcast, there has been a long-running, like, basically social media war between Pac-12 fans and Big 12 fans going back to last summer when USC and UCLA left because – you know, the Big 12 immediately went, your mark was like, we are going to poach you. And the Pac-12 was like, no one would ever leave. And it, it was sort of this whole who's right, you know. And it seemed like from all the reporting out there that probably since like May, 
it was becoming clear that if someone was going to leave, it was going to be Colorado. Now, the big surprise to me is that they left before even seeing a TV deal because the Pac-12 has been for literally a year now saying over and over again, we're a few weeks away from showing our TV deal and they just never do. And Colorado just left. Everyone thought that the teams would wait and get the deal and then everything would go crazy. But listen, Colorado's not some big, they're honestly probably one of the three worst power five programs of this century, but this is a time of rampant instability in college football. You're helping destabilize a league that's probably your most direct rival as far as revenue and as far as stature. You're shoring up your own league with another member. They have that. Your mark looks smarter every day. It wasn't just beating the Pac-12 to a TV deal. It wasn't just like all the revenue stuff that he's come up with to generate more revenue, generate more hype. Getting that pro rata clause in the contract, which is what allowed Colorado to join as a full share member, the deal automatically ramps up to give them exactly as much as everyone else getting. That was prophetic because ESPN is out of money and ESPN is probably smacking their heads against the table. Your mark can add 30 more power five teams if he wants, and they're all, they're all going to get pro rata. So it's just, it's good times for the big 12. It's just, it's nice that UCF is in a league that is kind of rising up in college football, especially since two years ago, this was a league that people probably thought was going to fall apart completely. Yeah. And what's interesting, I think about Carl, as you mentioned, like they have been one of the worst programs for a while now, but because this off season, they hired Deion Sanders, all of a sudden they're being looked at as like, Whoa, they got Colorado. Like this is yeah. a big like football ad. It's like, we'll see. Which Hopefully, when Deion you know, Sanders and Colorado go four and eight this year, maybe that wears off a little bit, but listen, yeah. I mean, the PAC 12s now lost a quarter of their membership in the last year. And, and we all know, like, let's be totally clear. It's not like, like the big 12 is not staying at 13 teams. The big 12 Colorado joins in 24, the big 12 intends to have 14 members for 2024 or more. And we all know that they all, that we all know your mark also desires Arizona, Arizona state and Utah. Um, and we're probably going to get some news on that very soon because right before we get on the pot. And this is why I almost don't even want to spend too much time like theorizing what comes next, because I feel like we're probably going to know within a couple of days because the athletic reported that the PAC 12 is going to present their media rights deal within the next 48 hours to their members. And that will set things immediately. They will get this deal. Either they're going to leave the, or more teams are going to leave, excuse me, or they're just going to, you know, stay put if they like the deal or if it's enough, I will say that it sounds like everything that's been reported out there is I don't think they're getting all three. It sounds like it's really only Arizona that's been overly receptive. The Athletic and Sports Illustrated and a few others reported that, or Yahoo Sports, I forgot that's where Dellinger is now, have reported that they've talked back and forth for months and talks kind of stalled over the summer. But from what it sounds like, both Arizona State and Utah have never really engaged meaningfully on that and really don't want to come. So they're probably not coming. But you get Arizona, who is also like one of the worst Power 5 teams of the last 20 years. But either way, the Pac-12 is a mess. They're going to have to go expand with Group of Fives. The Big 12 really solidifies itself as a super strong league, a super stable league with 14 teams. And I don't mean to just keep rambling on, but it's so funny because when you look at the Big 12, what's so funny is that that conference's strength comes from the fact that it's the only conference with teams that the Big 10 and SEC will never want. And it's this weird thing where like not having any blue bloods is what's protecting them because every conference that's ever fallen apart, it falls apart because you know, not all the teams are on an even playing field. Oregon does not have the same priorities as Oregon State. We've talked about before, most of the Big 12 all have identical floors and identical ceilings. And it's just a really yeah. turning into this really sturdy league. Yeah, which is why, like, when you bring the ACC into it, it's like, what happens there? Because I, if any of those, if any, if I, there's not a lot that can happen, I don't think, until you get to the part where it's like, maybe things are going to just force things to happen and then see what the consequences are. 
with the whole uh what is the grant of rights and all the that grant of rights so the whole where the acc is at right now is that their tv contract because literally like 10 years ago now when realignment was bad and like from 2009 to 2013 you all remember that's when all the last crazy round of stuff happened got ucf into the aac the acc saw everything that was happening and was like we can't let this happen so we should sign a tv deal that is literally almost two decades long and we should lock in all our members so that they legally cannot leave while this tv deal is active and all the teams were like that sounds good because maryland just left and we're freaking out about it and it, it's insane. So they literally, I think 2035 or 2036 is the first year that any teams can leave, even though Florida State and Clemson and all those teams want out right now. The latest stuff, FSU247's website, which is a reputable website. I knew 247, like it sort of goes up team to team, but that's a very reputable one. And they they reported that FSU believes that they have a way to challenge the grant of rights and may possibly try to look to leave now. I'll believe it when I see it. The other ACC update is ESPN reported that they are looking at expanding, even though it wouldn't monetarily make sense. They just feel like they need to literally their commissioner went on the record and said they feel like they need to find a way to counter the Big 12. And it reported the teams that they've looked at are Oregon, Washington, SMU and West Virginia, interestingly. But it sounds like from West Virginia folks that that's not something West Virginia would entertain. But it, it stuff's crazy again. We're just right back in the middle of realignment being absolutely insane. Like we really could do for some real football games right now. Yeah, and we have a season that's, I mean, as we're recording this, this is, what did I tweet on Saturday? It was like, Monday would be the last day that we're in a month that doesn't have football until March. A very convoluted so, but accurate statement. Yes. yes. It's exciting so as you're listening, as you're listening to this, we are in a month that has football, and that will be true until March. It's exciting. Great. It's very it's exciting. Because I'm ready for it, man. Yeah, I mean, fall camp being back, you just start to get that, like, feeling where it's like, okay, now we're actually, kind of, we've made it through, like, the long summer, and now we're actually getting there even though we still have a whole 31 days until we i'm gonna be get honest to this off, off but... season has gone by faster than most to me it feels like i don't know if it's because we had all mm-hmm. the big 12 move in the middle of it and everything but i it, like it listen it hasn't been short but when i look back it doesn't feel as long as some off seasons have i i agree but then i think back to like the spring spring game like this and just spring ball and that feels like it was so long ago see i was about to say spring ball doesn't feel that long ago to me Oh, no, it does to me. Yeah, I don't know. know. I mean, it was long ago. So, like, you are factually correct, but I don't know. It it was long ago, relatively, depending on who you ask. It was very nice for fall camp to just be like, just like, it's always when fall camp starts. Like, you're just like, oh, like, okay, like, we are, this is actually going to happen. Like, we're going to have there's a press conference every Monday. And it's like, you get the content up on on social media from UCF. And you're like, okay, there's like actual football going on outside the bounce house. And pretty soon it'll be inside the bounce house. So, you really get that feeling where it's like, we're there. We're, we're, we're there. I can't wait. Congrats, I, this is everyone. So football is back. And then we'll say it again next week and the next week. And then eventually it'll be actually true. But football is, is kind of back. <laughs> we're saying five weeks out. Congrats, everyone. <laughs> football is hey, back. It's almost, it's four, kickoffs four weeks from Thursday. So it's yeah, like, we are really yeah. close finally. And I'm very Because ready. UCF plays on August 31st, it's exactly a month away right now. You see, so. uh, Kent State's a Thursday night, not Friday, right? Yes. Thursday? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Even sooner. Can't wait. And we get week zero before. The, yeah. All kinds of fun coming. Yeah, so football's back. But our preseason awards, we will get into now. Um, and as we, I think we do this, we've done this every year. Yep. I'm pretty sure. We have. And every year, I'm always like, I don't really know who to pick. Except I think that's the first year we kind of, I don't, we might have made a rule where you couldn't pick Dylan Gabriel. But it turns out if you would have picked them, you would have been wrong. Um, but like, it's, it's, we'll start with offensive MVP. And it's always hard. It's like, do you, do you want, you want to pick the quarterback? Because like, if, if, if they do well, the quarterback's going to have good numbers. Sure. But I don't know. Who did, did, Do you want me to go first here since you went first with a five-star review? Question. Yeah, why don't you take us away? All right. I went with R.J. Harvey. Interesting. 
Go on. Um, it is interesting because the emergence or expected emergence of Demarcus Bowman could make this complicated. Um, but I think even if he does emerge and and kind of is as good as everyone says he is, RJ will still get his carries. And I know Gus. We talked about this last week. Gus doesn't really do running back by committee as much, but yeah. he's probably going to have to year, this year. Like, yeah, his hands like probably last be year. Oh wait, they also had... Gus isn't calling the plays, so Gus, you, That's you know, true. it's probably going to change a little bit. Yeah. But yeah. But they had they had Bowser and Harvey last year, and where I know like there wasn't like a 50-50 split or anything, but RJ obviously still got his his carries. And I mean he averaged almost seven yards a carry and about eight hundred yards, five touchdowns. The Memphis game in particular, he kind of took over and ran for ooh, like well over I think it was over 150 yards. Yeah, he had um, a couple of big runs in that game too. He just has that ability in it. And I know with with Bowman, I know hopefully it's one of those things that when UCS run game is going, it can help. John Rice Plumley and for everything they're saying, John Rice Plumley is night and day. Gus new Gus Gus's new like thing to shoehorn in any night answer. Um, but I think I think the O line looks like it, it could be in a good spot with with some of the pieces they have there. Um, so I don't know. I think there's I think there's a path there for RJ Harvey to end up being the, the MVP of this offense. But the that's what is kind of weighing in the back of my mind is like it could just be where. Bowman gets hot and he ends up being like the lead back and Harvey still gets his carries, but doesn't do enough to have the volume. But I went with the safe pick because he's a, what is he a red shirt senior? Yep. And I think so. Feels yeah. like he's, he's entering, he's entering this year as RB one. And I don't really see him doing anything to lose that. It's just a matter of whether or not Bowman does enough to surpass him. Cause I don't see him like falling off or anything. RJ Harvey's a really good running back. So yeah, I, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't think so, but it is funny when you look at, um, like we always talk about this every off season. It's always like there, like there's stuff that we just don't see coming because that's the sport. And and then yeah. the season starts and you're like, you're a month in, you're like, I can't believe. And like, I've been trying to think about, I almost thought it'd be fun to, we don't have time because the season's about to start, but like to even do an episode, maybe next summer we'll do it of, of like, what are the things that we're not like, like guessing at what the surprise things we didn't see coming could be. And I was thinking about some, like what they could be for the season. And one I came up with was like, I could see a reality where like, five games into the season, like Bowman is the clear number one running back and is getting like most of the carries. And we just didn't see that coming because of how good Harvey is. Like, I don't think that's going to happen, but like, as far as thinking of like, what's some surprise that we're like, oh, we like, I could see like Bowman's just that dominant. I don't think that's going to happen because Harvey's incredible. But yeah, I, um, I did not pick RJ Harvey for uh, this. This isn't really a category where there's like some clear choice. So I'm not going to be like, I'm not going to have my yeah. usual, like, ah, oh, you're wrong. And I'm ama- amazing. But I picked a player that I have always been a really, really big fan of and supported um, oh, at this God. entire time at UCF. Um, really, uh, just loyally. I've never, I've never doubted him, and that is John Rice Plumley. Um, very excited. <laughs> Do you think is John Rice Plumley's full name Jonathan Rice Plumley, or is it just John Rice Plumley? I think it's just John Rice. Plumley. That's cool. Anyway, but yeah. So as you guys know, if you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, huge Plumley fan. Um, always believe that he's the right choice for this program. Gus today in his press conference twice called him Jr. JR, two different times. Yeah. I don't know. Shout the key was just too much. Jim, the legendary Jim Ross. I mean, you don't know who that is, but sure don't. Hockey player? Um, no. Baseball. No, he's a announcer? professional wrestling announcer. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. I would never have huge, guessed wrestling, but huge Oklahoma Sooners guy. Cool. Oklahoma water. Uh yeah. anyway, <laughs> no. go ahead with go ahead with JR. Yeah. So my thing with JR is, but honestly, jokes aside, obviously I don't, I, I spent all of last season explaining why he should not have been starting. And I still believe he should not have been starting, but guess what? No other options this year. So we are all in on the John Rice Plumley train because we have literally no choice. Um, I, this season, and it's why I think RJ Harvey is maybe the best player on offense, 
But as far as MVP, I feel like whether this season is a success or a failure is going to entirely depend on his progress and his health. John Rice Palmer's. I I, I think yeah. that we've heard a lot of hype about how he's gotten a lot better this offseason. Well, we're not we're just not going to know what's true and what's not true of that until the season starts. And the reason I'm skeptical is I'm not just trying to go all in on, oh, well, I hate him or whatever, because that's not true at all. It's just that as a coach, what else are you supposed to say at this point when you're asked about your quarterback? You're not going to say, yeah, he sucks. You're not going to say he hasn't gotten better. You're going to say he's improved. I think he probably has. I think that working with a legitimate quarterbacks coach in Henshaw will probably help him. I think just being a year older will probably help him. And hopefully they're all about vertical passing. Maybe they can make it work. His health is another factor, his decision-making, all of that, and how it impacts his ability to stay healthy through a season. That's still a big question mark, but to me, he's my offensive MVP pick because if the season works out, it will be on his shoulders. It just will. And, you know, last season we'd have the argument a lot of his John Rice Plumlee batter is the O-line bad. It sounds like the O-line might be legitimately good this year. We've been talking about that throughout the entire offseason. At the presser this morning, Gus confirmed that both Grable and Medley are full goes. They're fully healthy. And then he said, this was a comment that surprised me. He said that he, as all of his time with Herb Hand, he doesn't think they've ever had a better group. And they were together at Auburn, I believe. And he said that there are nine or 10 guys on the O-line who they would feel comfortable putting out there. So you combine JRP, JR, excuse me, presumably being better and having a better coach at that position, having a having a better play caller potentially that position, combined with a really sturdy O-line, I see a path there to him being very good as long as he can stay healthy. I honestly legitimately do. We'll see. Yeah. I He's going to throw three picks something... against Kent State. And I'm going to be like, never mind, but you never know. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, I think, and it was like I, I see, I see him like. I guess I might have said that I have a vision, like I just that he could just go out there and just be awesome this year. Um, and I, I almost picked him for my offensive MVP because of what you're saying, and I, I think it would have been like I don't know. I kind of want to just be different, um, but I think in my not in my reality, but in my version of this, maybe the season goes to the point where it's like they're six and six or five and seven, seven and five. He played like, okay. in a lot of games. Okay. Kind of like last year where like, I mean, he had like some really good games, some really bad games, had modest numbers. And it felt like at the end of the year, no, RJ didn't have like a thousand yards and 10 touchdowns, but like you looked at the offense and you're like, okay, who was the guy? And I think last year might've been RJ. If you, I if think, you and that's a good point. And that's maybe unfair on my part. Cause he, he was the, I think it's fair to say he was their best player on offense last year. I think that's fair to say, mm. and he's coming back and I'm saying I'm picking someone else who was also here last year and was not as good, but. But it's, I when know. you pick a quarterback, it's like, yeah. I mean, I, but I, it's not just picking a quarterback. It's the way John Rice Plumley plays. And maybe this will be different with Henshaw. I don't know. Cause I do. I am mean, trying to keep in mind. It's a different play call. The offense might look more different than we're anticipating, but John Rice Plumley's skill set, we talked about this, that was the difference between him and Mikey last year is Mikey was more distributing and getting different playmakers involved. John Rice Plumley, when he's in, it's the JRT show. It's all through him because yeah. he can do it all. He can run, he can throw, all of that. And the one thing I'm still curious about for this season is I don't know if the whole consistency thing is fixable. It was just so dramatic. Like, and I've talked about before, if Hinshaw, I'm not talking about like stop him from ever having a bad game, but just kind of lower the wavelengths in both directions where instead of shooting up and shooting down, he can just be more stable in the middle on his performance. That would be great. But I don't know, maybe it's just wishful thinking, but I feel like given the O-line, given the new coaching, given he's another year into being at UCF, he should be better. And if he's better, he's probably going to, he's probably going to be the main guy on offense. Even if the highs aren't as high as they were last year, like I will take that if the lows aren't as low. Like, 100%. If, if he is, if the very, if the variance isn't as, as crazy as it was last year, I'm happy. So yeah, I'm I'm totally with you on that. I'm I like I will sacrifice seven touchdowns against Villanova if it means not no touchdowns against Baylor. You know, you know what? I just had another dumb thought where it's like football is really close. Like I don't know why, but I just had a thing where it's like 
we're close to finding this out. Like we're we close are. to actually being live and in person watching John Rice Plumley and the rest of UCF play a football game. But it is when you think about, we've been talking about what will John Rice Plumley look like in year one in the big 12 since God, since January. I, I mean, that's a yeah. long time to be talking about this with little, very little new information along the way. So you're right. I mean, literally starting in four weeks, four and a half weeks, we're going to be actually getting information here. And that's yeah. not really though, because it's Kent State, but like we will be getting, yeah. some, we'll have more information than we do right now. I'm going to challenge like... the fan base and us mm. right now to not come out of the Kent State game and really have any opinions on anything. I think we should do that. I don't, I don't think we really, I mean, we shouldn't anyway. I don't think we will. And I, I, I think the only thing, the only thing we might get a dip, bit of a look at or a bit of opinion from is like what the offense looks like in terms of just like. Sure. As far like from a play calling perspective, from yeah. a personnel perspective. Yeah. Well, I mean, it'll be informational from that, but I don't want us to come but out and like, be like, yeah, it turns out John Rice Plumlee is really good or wow. Yeah. Demarcus Bowman had more carries than RJ. So he like, it, it just like, we're just not going to know much out of that game. And, and I feel like we fall into that trap every year. And it's not even just because Kent State's a bad opponent. There's just not a lot you can learn from game one. Teams evolve over yeah. a season. You need a sample size of three or four before you can really start making declarative statements on what kind of oh. season you're in for. You do. Well, I wish you, I know, I know you do. You were right. I just wish you hadn't said that because I was just about to be like, well, on the flip side, we can take everything out of the Boise State game. Uh, no, but, but we can't. Can. But we honestly can't. Yeah, they could they yeah. could lose to Boise State and then go like six and three in the Big Twelve. That absolutely could happen. Boise State's a very good team, and also I feel like sometimes the sample size is so small in college football we forget that like we define what a team is based on the end result, and we forget all the little things along the way. Like I think a lot about the fact that UCF was like a bad holding call that took away a Javon Baker touchdown away from beating Louisville, and like if that a hold nowhere near the play. And if that hold doesn't happen, he scores there and UCF wins that game. Like we're totally talking about like how UCF does against P5 competition differently. We're talking about how that season went differently. And it's like, it was just a holding call that didn't affect the play. And and it's like, we, I almost feel like sometimes we just focus too much on what did happen and we define everything through that. I'm trying to be better about not doing that as much, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. I mean, it's very philosophical. Is like, look at the example. And, and I know it's not the perfect example because Tulane ended up going on to win a new year six game last year, but like, Kansas State, who won the Big 12, lost to Tulane early in the season. And they went yeah. on to win the Big 12 and play in a New Year's Six game against Alabama. Tulane so like, beat the Big 12 champion, the Pac-12 runner-up, and also lost to Southern Miss last year. There you Doesn't go. make There's sense. <laughs> like, it's yeah. just week-to-week stuff happens, you know? College football, none of this stuff makes sense. So, And yet we love That's every second part. of the nonsensical football. So you're going first here for defensive MVP. Sure am. Defensive MVP, I went with John Walker. No, I went with Jason Johnson for defensive MVP. Keeping yeah. it simple. Keeping it simple. I'm not overthinking it. I think that... See, this is why I'm overthinking everything, because I, okay. I should have taken him. No, there's and... no one you should have taken. It, 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 no. We have no idea. And it, it, it just depends on how you look at it, I guess. And, and probably, like, you're going to look at the linebacker as, like, he's in the middle of the defense. If he's going well and he's, you know, coming up with tackles... He's playing well. Probably a pretty good sign. Um, do you want to talk? Well, do you want to talk about him first, or should I just give mine and then we'll talk about both? Why don't you give yours and I'll talk about both? I went with Ricky Barber. See, that's not gonna hit. That's not gonna yeah, hit. Yeah, it's not because he plays yeah. inside. I mean he plays an inside defensive lineman. Like, like he tackle, might be. So. That's just not gonna hit. Like he can be yeah. he can be doing an amazing job and fans really aren't gonna be hearing his name much. Like you know, Which it's is, just that one. Yeah. That's just the Which the, is why that's why I said I should. I should have gone with Jason Johnson. That's why I said that. Cause it's like, that's the pick that's like, makes sense. But I think I just wanted to talk about Ricky Barber. 
which this might, I mean, we could judge this in different ways. If Ricky Barber goes on and is like drafted in the third round or the second round or something, then you can come back and say, I have a case here. But yeah, no, I like I like I said, that's nothing about like how Ricky Barber will be this year. That's just a position that I don't think it'd be like picking like a, I don't know, it'd be like picking like a tight end to win the Heisman. Like I just don't, there's just not really a way for that to happen. I guess it just doesn't happen as much in, in college football. Cause I, my, my immediate thought was, and this is a wild, like, thought to pull out of nowhere but it was like well like Aaron Donald wins defensive player of the year all the time in the NFL and he doesn't play linebacker or yeah but he's not an outside it's still not the he's same not a quarterback thing but it, it he's is Aaron Donald and uh yeah. but yeah no I like I said I I don't I don't disagree like I think Ricky Barber might be one of if not the most talented players on defense um yeah. and I, I think, think he could get drafted this year I, think, I bet he will DeCorian Patterson got mocked in the first round by some random site that's and so now we're ignoring him for this question but um yeah well, we won't I, ignore him later I will, I but won't. you won't. Um, but yeah, I picked Jason Johnson. Like my thing, my mentality for taking Jason Johnson was as simple as he had 126 tackles last year and he's back. And I think that also it sounds like he's really sort of coming to himself. He's a very quiet guy and it, he was named a team captain. Wait, he was named a team captain, right? I didn't make that up. Yes. Yeah, I'm almost certain, but it was one of those things where I said it and I was like, yeah, but he was named a team captain. It seems like he's really stepping up and becoming a bigger part of the defense and when you have the production he had when you were as solid as he was in your back for another year, I, I just, I think that he's going to be, and you combine that with now being somewhat of a team leader, apparently, I think he's going to, I think he's going to have a big, big year. He he was, yes. I just yep. looked at it. Um, I should have done yeah, I, mean, I, was, I was looking at Ricky and I was just thinking like the path here for him to be considered is like his sack numbers will have to go up, his pressure. Like he's just going to have to like wreck some games. And it is a lot of the case where like he'll eat up the middle and then create for the outside guys and that's just what his role is and that's like yeah. very valuable but if you're talking about it's very rare that you're going to say who's the mvp of the defense oh it was you know it's just the way back. football works like he could literally yeah. be having a giant impact on every play and fans could just straight up not be noticing most of the time and that's yeah. not like some indictment on fans that just went like it's like let's be real 99 of football fans when you're watching game you're watching the ball like that that's just that's yeah. how it goes you know yeah he just, he just won't have like the flashy numbers and that's fine, but do you find it interesting that our two picks for UCF's first season in the Power Five for defensive MVP are a guy who came from Western Kentucky and a guy who came from Eastern Illinois? Yeah, I'm not saying that as a downside at all. I'm just saying that that's, no, that's really good transfer portal recruiting by UCF to find guys like this. Who, you know, I mean, seriously, done Ricky, a really good Ricky job Barber being at Western Kentucky is wild to me. Like, how did that happen? I don't know. I really I mean, don't. He, he would start at like most power five schools. So I just, I don't get it, but you know, what can you do? Worked out for yeah. us. So I told you before we started this, that I don't really like, and I, I think it's probably just the state of where we are in terms of, we don't know anything. So it's like, I don't feel good about any of these four picks. Of course I don't. Cause we don't yep. know. So breakout transfer. I, I like, I looked at this list and I was like, I almost went to Marcus Bowman and I was like, would that just take away from my offensive MVP pick? Would and I just started looking at every guy, all these guys, and I ended up picking DeCorian Patterson. And it's not because he led the uh, con- uh conference, the country in interceptions last year, because as we talked about last week, like turnovers in a lot of cases can be random. Like he's not, I don't, he's not going to have seven interceptions again this year. He's not going to lead the country again this year. If he does great, then I'm correct in this pick, but I think he can still have those interception numbers go down and still be a lockdown, like number one corner. And to me, and I guess we don't even really know, because I mean, we don't know what the depth chart looks like, but it's like he, they went out and recruited him after like, or after spring started, right? I don't know. Spring ball wasn't over yet, but yeah. it was like during they spring They realized ball, they pretty quickly into him. spring ball, they had a secondary problem. And we're so yeah, it was like, 
they went out to get him for a reason. So I think he's going to step right in and start. And yeah, I mean, I think (laughs) I think part of it is me just falling for it was Pro Football Network that put him as a first round pick. But I'm like, if he's going to get any little bit of hype already for being a first round NFL draft pick, somebody sees something. And I'm gonna buy. The, I'm gonna buy the stock on it just because I feel like it. I mean, he's and not I think some, he's a good player. He's not. So, I, I think he might be. Um, he's not yeah. some diamond in the rough. Like he was a guy who had a lot of interest when he entered the portal, and it was considered a pretty big deal that UCF got him. I know there were a lot of other schools that were interested. So I, I'm not gonna argue. With he's not my pick. Um, mm-hmm. kind of for the same reason that I, uh, sort of threw a little bit of water on the idea of Ricky Barber. Is is I think that like if he's a lockdown corner, you might just not hear about him that much. Um, yeah, but. But, oh, here's the other reason I picked him. Sorry, uh, he was my number one pick on the transfer draft, so it's like I had to double down on him. So it's funny you bring that up. I also decided that I wasn't going to pick anyone you drafted because okay. I didn't want to like bet against myself. So I went and reached. I did the same list. thing. So I'm taking someone that neither of us drafted. Okay, because he wasn't here yet, and that is Corey Gamage, UCF's new wide receiver yeah. from Marshall. I don't. Th- I think it's partially because he was a late addition, and partially because Javon Baker and Kobe Hudson take up so much bandwidth, both on social media and on the field that like we're not talking enough about Corey Gamage, if I'm pronouncing his name right, by the way, I think I am. Corey Gamage in the last two years at Marshall, 869 yards in 2021, 774 in 2022, six touchdowns last year. He is, and he's huge too. Like this is like a big time addition. And he had originally committed to Purdue and then did the whole weird thing where he never took a class there and then was like, actually, I want to go to UCF. And that, I, I, it would not surprise me if there's a world where when we're looking back on the season, he was amazing. And we're like, how are we not talking about this guy all off season? Kind of like Javon Baker last year, to be honest, sort of the same thing. I'm not saying he's gonna be better than Javon, but I don't know. I think he's going to be very freaking good. I think he's going to be starting. I would be pretty surprised at this point if he's not. We've talked about before. I also like that they have real depth at wide receiver. Now they've got Javon, they've got Kobe Hudson, they have Corey Gannage, they have Xavier Townsend, they have Magwood and Whitmore. They, they, have, they have options. And that's really cool because yeah. I still remember 2021 when they had like basically one and a half wide receivers who they could trust. And that wasn't like an ideal time. Yeah. So here's where I went wrong. I forgot about Corey Gamage. I would have picked him <laughs> if I remembered him. I was wondering, because when I said that, you just gave me this blank stare. Like, who could he possibly be talking about? Yeah, well, I was just thinking, I was like, I know there were some people from late editions. And I just, it's because we haven't like, just not we, you and I, but like just everybody has not been talking about him a lot. So it's like, he's not at the forefront of my mind. And I, if I would have remembered him, is he, is he on like... Has UCF updated its roster? So, okay, he is on the roster. He is on the okay. roster. Because I, it was also this weird thing where he Online? flipped from, yes, he flipped from Purdue. Okay, I just missed him then. He flipped from, well, let me double check now, but I, I'm certain he was. I checked it. Yeah, I'm looking at him right now. He's number, He's he wears number four. 226.4. That is fantastic. Oh, there he is. Um, there's wow. a nice photo of him in a night mode jersey as well. So, yes, he's definitely. His bio just <laughs> says Noel. Don't know what to make of that. But not like Noel, like a Seminole, like N-U-L-L, like they forgot to fill something in. But um, yeah. but you kind of just really helped prove my point there because that's what I'm saying. And it's not, it's just like, since yeah. he was a late addition, I feel like a lot of fan base just kind of was like, oh. And also not just a late addition, but like never announced he came here. Like he literally just, he just enrolled like a typical student and just like never posted on social media or any of that. So, but I think why is he huge. Why is he side-eyeing the camera so You know, in that I picture? almost said can something I show about it? So We have a video podcast. Yeah, we have a video so podcast. Show it. Pull it up, yeah. I mean, if it's gonna, if it's gonna like... Oh, that's not going to look good. I don't know. It it is. I don't know, but there it is. Yeah, there it is. Right I, there. I don't know. I don't know what the look is. I almost said something. So I'm. I'm it's this, a side this eye. is what's great about having a video media. Is for the folks on YouTube, you yeah. got to see Corey Gamage side eyeing the camera. So that yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea what like that's it. about. It's good, but yeah, no, I would have picked him. 
That's bad. That's <laughs> I don't think Decor. Like I said, I think Decorian's going to be really good. And honestly, you'll, here's how you'll benefit. There is if I like how this isn't really a competition, but I'm kind of treating it as one. Is that is <laughs> you're right. If he's a lockdown, or I, I was about to repeat what I said to you and say you're right. Like you're right, and then give my take again. But I'm right in that I think that if he truly is the lockdown corner we expect him to be, we might just not hear about him a ton. And and that's, that's what Devonte Brown did in 2021. Didn't even notice he was on the team and it was because he was so good. Um, But on the flip side, if then like, let's say the hype of that one website is true. If he then goes in like the first rounds, then like, yeah, you've got a pretty strong case that he was, he was the defensive MVP or the, our breakout transfer and maybe defensive MVP. So. Yeah. Um, Rounding out with breakout freshman. I think it's going to go first. Go ahead. Oh, me go first. Yes. Yes. Randy Pittman Jr. Okay. See, I was a little worried about that because I also picked Randy Pittman. And now I feel like we're just the John Walker haters <laughs> because I was worried because I'm like, we, you and me talk about Randy Pittman a lot. And I feel like that's almost like a little bit of like group think because I feel like the general fan base, it, it, tell mm. me if I'm wrong, but I get the vibe that the general fan base would absolutely pick John Walker for this highest rated recruit in program history at a position with a very high hit rate for, for, you know, talented and highly rated players badly wanted by Ohio state, badly wanted by Florida, badly wanted by Michigan. Maybe we were dumb for not picking. Well, the point is, I think that based on what we have heard and what we have seen, it sounds like Randy Pittman might just be more ready right now to actually play this season and make an impact on the field. Whereas I think we will see John Walker, but more as a rotational piece than someone who's going to be a star from day one. Does that, is that fair? That's absolutely why I didn't pick John Walker. It's not because I don't think he's going to play or I don't think he's going to be good when he does play. I think there's just more of a path there for Pittman to play. I mean, they have Alec Holler, obviously, who's a team captain, outstanding blocker, you know, I think an underrated pass catcher, but they're still going to need another tight end, I think. Well, yeah. I don't know. They, didn't, they might not because they didn't last year. It's not so much but, that they need. He just pr- he provides a skill set that Holler doesn't. Yeah. And that they honestly right. complement each other well. So I think that just from that, especially think, if Henshaw is serious about how much he wants to air the ball out and things like that, I think there's a use for Pittman, you know, like right away. Yeah. Yeah. And he had a good spring. And I think. I think, I mean, I don't know, this is one of those intangible things you can't measure, but it's like they're going to bring in Kylan Fox, who they just, who committed here this summer. Yep. He's going to want to establish himself before Kylan Fox gets on campus. I mean, they're going to be, that's why we talked about him a lot. Cause we talked about in the future, they're going to be in a good spot. Assuming Kylan sticks, Kylan signs, they're going to have, you know, Randy Pittman going in next year as sophomore and then Kylan as a true freshman. That's like, and man, it's a good tight exciting. end room. And it's a young tight end room that, I mean, barring all the transfer stuff and the transfer portal you've got for the next few years. So, yeah, I don't know. I, th- I think and with John Walker, it is, it's like, I think he'll play. There is a path for him to get on the field because he's, he's going to, they need him in the rotation because sure. they have Ricky and they have Lee Hunter, I would assume would be the two starters. I'm almost um, certain. Yeah. And then, so you're going to need John Walker, I think to make yeah, the depth things like, out there. So he'll mix in, but it's just, I, I also just think it's a, like, I'm not at all. I hope no one comes away from this with me thinking that like, I, if, Three years from now, John Walker is considered one of the most dominant defensive players in school history and is well on his way to the NFL. I wouldn't even be surprised. I would say, good, that's what was supposed to happen. It's just that that is a position where he's going to need to put on weight. He's going to need to go through a year in the program. Like, I just don't think that he's going to be ready to, if they were in the AAC, maybe still, but he probably wouldn't be here if they were still in the AAC. Like, this just isn't, it's not a position where he's going to come in in day one and be able to just wreck. And if he is, awesome like that's right wow like great news if he is but i just i have a hard time predicting that even if it could happen yeah because i mean there, there's even yeah that i was just gonna say the same thing it's like there is an off chance that he does and when he gets on the field he flashes enough towards like okay by the end of the season like he is playing 
a very very high percentage of the snaps because he's just been that effective but yeah it is a position that would be great news just... i mean that would be great news i just yeah. have a hard time like i said saying we're gonna predict that you know right absolutely but yeah all right so we'll leave it there um anything any bonus things you want to mention here uh no cool all right <laughs> i don't have anything I else like I, yeah we we've if you've right. listened in past years you would notice that we cut um we used to do biggest surprise and biggest disappointment and we just never really enjoyed doing those and they're also not awards so we decided to leave those yeah. <laughs> that's a good point i particularly didn't like doing biggest disappointment and then it's funny that you said i enjoyed I didn't it like sometimes. Biggest surprise either biggest surprise you mentioned earlier in the podcast like maybe next off season we should do like a thing where we try to predict the surprises of like what's going to happen. I was like, well, we could have done that, I guess, for biggest surprise. Yeah, but, but yeah, but I I feel like surprise isn't even the right word. It's more just like every season there are things that we like at, at the end of the season, you look back and go in the off season, I never would have thought that was the case. And I like, like, I think the one for last year is Isaiah Bowser, not even sort of being the best running back, like, and just sort of being like, never would have predicted about that, like you know? narratives that will exist in six months. Okay. Or I don't know. It flows truths right off that, the tongue. Truths that will exist in six months. Truths that will exist in know. six months. I don't even know. I can't. We're going to be sitting back here in December doing podcasts where we're like, who would have thought that Timmy McLean would unseat John Rice Plumley for the starting quarterback job? Yeah, Gus did get asked today. If there, Gus happens. did get asked today if there's a quarterback competition. It was very clear that there is not, which is no surprise. Obviously, we, I was know, surprised that he was even that. asked about it. Yeah, I mean, you know, after last season, I understand wanting to clear the air there, but yeah, it's pretty obvious. JRP is the guy. Yeah, when you take JRP to Dallas for the Big 12 media days, then... I had said last year they didn't do it, but and also the AAC is, you know, virtual, but for I media mean, day... Before really that, like, we already knew it was going to be uh, him as QB1, but... I don't think we did. Hard... Go ahead. I don't, we didn't I don't, do what? We didn't know JRP was going to be QB1, did we? Going into media day last year? I'm talking about no, last going, year. Going in this year. Oh, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Yeah, I, I know this year. year. We've known he was going to be QB1 since, like, December Right, that's why right? I said I was surprised he was asked about it. Yeah, no, but I was uh, what I was saying was that I for media day in 2021, I really wanted Gus to or 2022, excuse me, I really wanted Gus to bring both Mikey and JRP to just like throw <laughs> chaos, like just have them both talk. But he did not do that. I don't believe either of them well, were available. He didn't actually bring anyone because they didn't go anywhere. Well, that's what I was saying. Yeah, like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah but <laughs> yeah, oh, AAC media days. Um, what did you see that from AAC media days? Was it the Charlotte coach? Yeah, yeah, that was a fun little thing rooting for him now um anyway we'll jump into the football news not a lot this week to get through other than just football's back camp's back uh i saw former ucf offensive lineman josh Sitton will be inducted into the green bay packers hall of fame this year um ucf hired bobby bentley as an analyst which i feel like there's like this thing with ucf right now well not right now like last few years but like there's a name where it's like oh yeah i remember him yeah like it was, it was this yeah, it was the same thing with Will Healy, where it was like, oh, and then even with Chip Lindsay, it was like, okay, that hired Chip, Chip Lindsay. It's like, all right, he'll be gone in a year, but it's, it's a it's a valuable it's thing. It's nice. Like I said, it's never a bad thing to it have. It was Henshaw a couple years ago. It was, and now he's back. It's never a bad thing to yeah. have respected and experienced voices in the room, so I am all for additions like that. I remember talking about him, too. At, at was it Because he was at USF, right? Yeah. So I was we were talking about him, I think, around that game, or I don't know if it was before then, it was somebody had mentioned that there was a, a connection between him and Gus, and it was like, would not be surprised to see him, you know, hired on. Yeah, I thought point. he was yeah. like in the, I don't remember, so I don't want to speak on it. He was either in the race for offensive coordinator, maybe last year. Was it last year? Like, I thought there were rumors at one point that they, I don't, I don't, I don't fully remember. I just remember there was a connection there. It was like, don't yeah. be surprised if he's, yeah. if he's here. There was smoke there. Um, some sort. 
UCF's October 21st game at Oklahoma will be Oklahoma's homecoming game. I have a thought um, on this. Okay. Um, because a lot of UCF fans were like, oh, wow, so typical. Like, we're the, you know, we're the, like, cupcake homecoming game. That's not a thing anymore, right? Like, no, it's when, not. Like, that's been a thing for years that schools try to have their homecoming game for, like, cupcake opponents. It's like I'm a 90s thing. thing. Is that, is that, was that a thing in college football in the 90s? It was, it did I've, used to I've be a ever, thing. Okay. It just yeah. hasn't been a thing for a long time. Like, like UCF was Alabama's homecoming opponent that year that they beat them, I believe. Mm. Like, like that, it did used to be a thing. You'd schedule some non-conference nobody. But that was also back in the days when you'd play, like, six conference games and stuff like that. Like, I just I don't think yeah. that's a thing anymore. I was surprised by that. No, it's like, I mean, UCF's homecoming game is West Virginia. It's like, I, I don't yeah. think they just pick a game, like... UCF's there's... homecoming game is the team picked to finish last in the Big 12. But it's yeah. also around no, the same I, time I've... of year every year. Like, it's not like you have a ton of leeway yeah. in that. USF, I didn't. I've, I was enjoying that USF fans were making fun of it until it was pointed out that USF is UConn's homecoming game this year. So that was future Big Twelve <laughs> member. I didn't see that potentially. Yeah, I didn't see that. Oh yeah. Um, but no, I only ever thought of that as like a. High, I thought it was like a high school football thing where you're just like you play a bad team it, for your homecoming. I, game. It was a thing in college football at one point. I don't believe it has been basically at all in the modern era. So I was surprised that so many UCF fans thought it was some kind of slight. I think it's just that's the date in the calendar where they're doing homecoming but you know well, don't worry ucf's gonna lose by a lot either way like it doesn't matter but at the know. top of the at the top of this episode i pressed the button that said they're gonna win that game so you did and that's but i pressed the button that said they weren't so the button's canceled out and now real life is gonna just play out so we should flip a coin i live by the coin and die by the coin okay did you see that did you see i that did see on? that i did see that it's <laughs> absurd uh, last there was piece some, of news, well, now but... we can't just move on from that. There's yeah, some, we can. yeah, sure we can, but we're not going to. Bailey sent me something. This is the first sign that I'm getting old. I'm 26, so I guess I'm getting up there. And and it it, what is it? It's like kids in high school now are like making coins their personalities. Like they just walk around yeah. flipping quarters and stuff. I, yeah, it's like they're like it's like they're Two Face from from Batman. <laughs> I feel like our version of that was planking. Do you remember planking? Like when I was in like high school, it was like people would just lie flat on desks and stuff, yeah. and it was just like this is what we're doing. I I don't I don't know. I'm losing yeah. faith in, in the human race. I am a little bit, but it's fine. You know, it, it you, stuns me though that this is the thing that's making you lose lose faith in the human race. I, I, that's yeah, another I, that's another podcast. That's the whole thing. It's um, like what's making you lose faith in the human race? I'm like, ah, oh, the high school kids flipping coins in class. I just that's like that. That was apparently the straw for me. But yeah, no, I thought that was funny though. I, th- I was like, I was like, I wish I was one of them. Um, all right, last piece of news: John Rice Plumley was named to the Maxwell Award watch list, which is awarded to I believe the best player in college football. Yep. Yeah. So he's going to win it. Yeah, he did. (laughs) Probably not. Is the Maxwell Award winner always the Heisman Award winner? I should probably go back. I feel like I don't think so. Oh, okay. But who cares? I I don't know. That's that's what's so interesting about it. Um, What's so interesting about it is that no one cares. Tweet of the week. We got many. Um, So I have been doing a new thing on Twitter this past week where I repeatedly tweet that I think UConn should be invited to the big 12 and then get ratioed. And I just do that on repeat every day. And I'm not doing it for engagement because I don't totally get that when people say like, Oh, they're tweeting a hot take for engagement. Like I'm not, I'm not seeking engagement. I don't really care whether you reply to my tweet or not. Like if you agree with me, great. Like, I don't know. I just, I never totally understand that. It's like, I get, if you're like a business or something, it's like, I don't care. But anyway, I'm doing it anyway. Cause I believe it. And I'm just going to say what my tweet was. I'm not giving myself tweet of the week. I want to clarify because I'm not deserving of that. But I tweeted, I'll say it again, specifically from UCF's perspective, the Big 12 adding UConn as the 14th team over adding more Pac-12 schools is preferable. It gives you another East Coast team. It recenters the conference as a National League versus a Midwest slash West one. And it's an easy win every year. So for a little background, the this has been reported by The Athletic that Brett Yormark 
badly wants UConn. And this is obviously only if the Pac-12 schools don't work out. If this TV deal they get, this could all be a moot point by the time you're listening to this, if the Pac-12 gets their TV deal tomorrow and the schools come. But if no Pac-12 schools come, the understanding is that your mark is going to push very hard to add UConn. Everything we've heard is that the Big 12 presidents do not want to add UConn, but your mark, as reported by The Athletic, probably has enough power now to kind of force it to happen because every single thing he's done since he's gotten there has just been a complete home run. So the presidents may just not be in a position to deny him of what he wants right now. So I tweeted that and I wanted to go through some of the replies to the tweet and refute them because I was very annoyed and I felt like character limits were were hurting my ability to, to do so. So the first one I want to do is Wild Bill, one of our favorite listeners. Well, you know, actually, I equally love all of our listeners. I love you all. You're all our favorite listeners. Not me. Yeah, not Bailey. But uh, anyway, so Wild Bill's tweet was, he replied, I have yet to hear a legitimate argument about how travel affects us negatively. For football specifically, we're chartering flights. They relax and watch a movie the whole time. I've flown with the team on their plane. The only adverse side effect was arriving in Greenville. Um, so <laughs> I first off, that's cool that you've been on the team plane. Um, second, I just want to say that this is one thing that's- just a ricochet up. shot at Greenville though. <laughs> I know Greenville catching an absolute stray. What's, yeah. That's just UCF's thing, right? Like when Gus randomly like accident, accidentally like trashed their barbecue scene. Like it, it just, yeah. the UCF fan base lives for accidentally taking shots at a lesser program. Uh, not on the field though. Um, so I want to talk about travel being a huge deal or not being a huge deal because a lot of fans replied something along those lines of why do we care? It's just a plane flight. I I don't like, I feel like people don't get how significant travel is. Like, I like it's not just a thing you do. It's not just they hop on an airplane and go. There is a lot of concern with UCF about how they're going to deal with this travel. Gus has publicly talked about that, how they're concerned about how they're going to deal with it. And it's actually been real. I've been reading a lot about it lately because The Athletic's written like three different features now on how USC and UCLA are just having problems with this whole Big Ten move and how they jumped into it for the money and they hadn't really thought anything out. And logistically, it's become this nightmare. And both from the perspective of USC and UCLA having to make trips all the time. And even like Penn State is like having professors do studies to figure out how they're going to like be able to do this because literally just their road trip, like for their football team, they're worried it's going to mess with them. And when I was reading about these articles, basically what it comes down to is that one time zone you can do and it's a trip. Multiple time zone travel is really hard on the body and it's really difficult to snap out of. It screws up your sleep schedule. It screws up your ability to focus. And that's what's tough. If your mark gets his original wish and Arizona, Arizona state and Utah all join. They get all four corner schools. Five teams in UCF's conference are going to be two time zones away. They're going to have to do multiple two time zone trips every year. That is going to mess them up. And I just feel like we're losing sight of the fact that like, I get, we want the big 12 to be the best it can be. And it would be better for the big 12 to get all four corner schools. But like at some point we want UCF to be successful in this league, right? Like, is that not our main priority? Not the big 12 being as strong as possible. So that was the first one. Uh, the next one I want to talk about was uh, Don't Falk Up. I didn't curse. It's A-F-A-U-L-K. Uh, he said, so you are good with lowering our payout to simply add UConn. I will say to that that there is no way they would add a team that would lower the payout. I think we all understand that. Baylor's AD even said on the record he kind of implied that certain G5 schools have been vetted to get Parada, so I don't think that's a concern. Uh, the next one, I'm going to go through really quickly. I've got Joel Gomez. He said, Christian, I love you, man. Love you too, Joel. But this might be one of your worst takes. UConn adds a good basketball program, and that's about it. Just adding a program to have a travel partner is short-sighted. And this is kind of the attitude I'm saying is that I feel like we're thinking too much as Big 12. I don't know if it's UCF. Like, yes, it's all everything you said is true for the Big 12, but I am not a Big 12 fan. I'm a UCF fan, and it is way more preferable to not have three more teams on the West Coast and have one more team on the East Coast for UCF than to just add teams like that. It's also not like it changes the Big 12's long-term stability. It's like no one's coming for UConn. No one's, it just doesn't matter. And then the last one I wanted to bring up was by 
Empanati, who said we left a conference due to easy wins. I don't know what this accomplishes. And I just want to say we did not leave a conference due to easy wins. We left the conference because it paid us $8 million and the new one's paying us $45 million. So there you go. Tweet of the, re- tweet of the week rant over. So, the, yeah, I mean, if we would have left for easy wins, like Navy and ECU were supposed to be, well, you know, it's ECU last year, but. It's not like Navy we left the AAC because we we're like, we want to be challenged more. It's like, no, that one yeah, has a bigger like, paycheck and it's going to elevate our program. It's, I haven't, mean, haven't won the AAC since 2018. So, yeah. So, I don't know. Um, like I said, I get it, guys. I understand why, but uh, UConn would not be some attractive ad. But I just feel like when I see some of the stuff people are tweeting, it's like, you guys got to understand, like, what's good for the big 12 as a whole is not always what's best for UCF. And I do think that adding three more West coast teams is not good for UCF. There's really not an argument for being good. And I I'd hate for UCF to have moved up to the P five to just be on a league where they're in such a geographical Island and have to make so many road trips that mess them up every year that they just can't ever really get over the hump to be winning this league. And I feel like there's a chance that yeah. being the case if they go that far West. So we will see who knows. Yeah. Let me correct myself. I mean, the, between the Maxwell and Heisman thing, I was doing a little bit of research while you were talking and ranting um it pretty often is the heisman winner um i kind of think the most recent the most recent time it was different was 2018 um 201 maxwell and kyler murray won the heisman okay but like since then like joe burrow Devontae smith bryce young and caleb williams won it right before that baker mayfield won it lamar jackson won it derrick henry Mariota. i think looking back so like in 2012 manti teo won it obviously he didn't win the heisman that year yeah um AJ McCarron won it in 2013. So it seems like like more frequently back then it was different because like McCarron didn't win and then Andrew Luck in 2011, he won the Maxwell. And I'm pretty sure that's that was RG3's Heisman year, right? I think so. Um, 2012? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2011. So. 2011, excuse me. Yeah, I yeah, um, so. I don't know. Just it, an interesting just, bit. I, of... My thing is I just don't ever recall a time that I remember seeing even like an announcement of like, oh, this person won the Maxwell. So I don't know. It's cool for JRP. It's but... just... Because they have the college football awards where they do like all of like the the Blitnikoff. They do all those. Right. Like that's, that that's when they award that. But it's not like as big big of a thing as the Heisman. Until JRP wins this one. I can't wait for the sure. season where JRP somehow wins the Maxwell but not the Heisman. Like he's a, he's one of the best players in college. I don't know. We'll just – who knows? He could absolutely – if he's good, he will get Heisman votes just for the way he plays. Like it'll be like, oh, he finished like yeah. in Heisman voting if UCF's good. We'll just have to see what happens. But And he's in the knows? Big 12. And he's in the Big 12. He's a – He's a big 12 quarterback. We talked this before. Max Duggan last year did not even win the job out of fall camp and was in a Heisman finalist. And not even with like that statistically of an insane season. He was just the quarterback for a very good power five team. He was very good. Like, I'm not saying he wasn't good, but it wasn't like, like Milton had statistically significantly better seasons, like twice than Duggan did, but it wasn't in the power five. So it doesn't get talked about. Statistically lately, like there hasn't been like a giant favorite for Heisman, like the Heisman winner. I feel like Burrow was the last one or Devontae Smith probably. Yeah. Like the last couple have just felt like, shoulder shrugs right like that sounds really offensive because like i know bryce young and caleb williams had very strong seasons but like caleb williams like i don't know i feel we're, i don't know why we're ending the podcast with like a philosophical discussion of the heisman but like i feel like back football's back man we're gonna be talking about the real heisman winner in a few months when it's all already over after just four months um i but like oh you look at <laughs> you look at like the heisman winner and usually it's like the story of the season right like 2019 the story was lsu the story was joe burrow 2020 it was Devonte smith wow we haven't seen a receiver like this now how long 2021 it was just like the season ended and it was like uh, i mean bryce young had a lot of touchdowns it was kind of the same thing last year too with caleb williams it's like yeah he was good i mean i don't know it's just yeah. feels like we've been a little, little bit of a dry streak with like storied heisman winners yeah until john rice plumley takes college football by storm this year with 20 passing touchdowns 
I think we said 20 rushing touchdowns. <laughs> Seems, well, never mind. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, we'll get out of here now before we go on down the road of Heisman history and whatever else we could talk about college football-wise. Because we could be here forever talking about just – I mean, we, we talked about it on the podcast a few weeks ago. Like, you you and I were hanging out, and we just started listing the Heisman winners, like, from the last – I got I pretty, you got I got pretty to, far what, like, back. 08? I think, like, 09 or 08, yeah. 09? Yeah, so – but, yeah, so we could do that on the podcast, but we won't. Uh, but we will be back next week to talk more UCF football, more other random things that pop up randomly um with episode 152 but until then you can find us on twitter at bailey j adams 22 at by ca simmons and at night sports now thank you guys so much for being with us and we will talk to you soon bye everybody